millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So basically, I, I live really... Everything in Stockholm is, is close to water, and um, my studio is right next to, uh, next to the water where all these ships are passing. It's not that many, but they uh, move my imagination, I think. Uh, so do you have a window that kind of looks out directly onto the sea in the studio? Yeah, there's a window out. Basically, it's it's just a few ships um, that I see. They carry cement from the island of Jotland. That's, I don't know, I think 10-hour boat ride. It's uh, And then they, they lay here anchored for a few hours or over the night making these low humps and there's something something quite friendly about it that i really like that's in what, what do you mean by low hum what sort of sound like um they're their engines when they're ah, okay. when they 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 sometimes keep their engine on i i think there is something with their power or i i i don't know why they do it but they often keep their engines going overnight i don't know staying alive purposes so it's it's like a, a, a presence, an, a sonic presence um, during the night because I can hear it to my home as well. And there's something I really like about it, I guess. So you can hear it even if you're indoors? Yeah, I have c- kind of sensitive ears, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Probably helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is, that's really low-pitched sound. So it kind of goes through everything. And I usually don't like being disturbed by sounds, but I, I do... I do enjoy those boat sounds because there's something outerworldly or something quite magic about it. Things that float in water and are huge. And uh, I don't know, there's just something that really ticks my imagination, I guess. It's like the sound that whales make as well, isn't it? That kind of low hum. It's just something quite magical about it. Yeah, they do. But it's it's kind of interesting because back in the 50s or 60s, I don't know, when when 
the radios in that time couldn't produce the sub-frequencies. So every time you hear whale sounds, you pitch them up 10 times. So people think that whales singing high pitches, but, but the pitch you hear is just because uh, that's what people thought they sounded like. But in fact, they sound more like a, a, a bus a bus engine or like something really low. So whale sounds is really sub or infra sub bass. I, I, I find that quite extraordinary, actually. I guess it's because it's so low down and the kind of water pressure that in order for that sound to carry, it needs to kind of be that low, Yeah, exactly. It? Yeah, and, and it can carry for... I, th- I think that it can carry like for percentages of the planet, those whale sounds. And uh, I, I don't want to say a too big number, but it's, it's really long distances that can communicate with, with those sounds because these low sound waves with these really long ranges. Um, I, was, I was speaking to someone recently uh, having a conversation about when the Bee Gees, when they wrote Jive Talking, they took inspiration from the car going over the bridge on the way to the studio and they took that rhythm and they worked it into the music and gave that song its beat. Can you do a similar thing with the kind of sounds you're hearing from the ocean? Can you directly take inspiration from it and incorporate it into your music in a very real way? I think when it comes to drones or or sounds that are are single pitch, I think I've been doing that my entire life. I remember singing to the vacuum cleaner when when some grown up was vacuuming uh, at home <laughs> when I was a kid, and I think I've always had a connection to technical sounds that way, singing on top of things uh, like on uh, on top of that sound. I think I kind of forgot about that and also because technology is is so able these days of reproducing anything or sampling anything it's i kind of almost lost that fascination of i think if i could have recorded a thing as a kid i would have a different approach to sounds than i do now i think i i think i might have sonically have a too grown up relationship to to sound, I maybe I should start exploring that more um, naturalistic or childlike uh, experience of how things sound, uh, and and use use more of natural or drones from from the life around me. I mean, both me and Emmanuel, my producer, were big fans of um, David Lynch and the way his f- movie sound and uh, i know it's it's used a lot of of uh, natural drones there did did you see the uh, chernobyl miniseries i did not i'm not a massive tv guy to be honest no i i'm not either actually that was was great the, the it's the music there is made by hildur gudnason the icelandic composer and uh it's it's really really good uh- is this the guy that did the music for Black Panther as well? No, it's it's a it's a woman in um, she's fairly young. I I don't know her. Ex- I think she might be in my age, slightly younger, perhaps. She also did the music for Joker. Uh, it's it's ah, great okay. orchestral, almost classical music. It's really really good. I think, that, but that music for Chernobyl. I mean, that was a really interesting topic as well. But it it was made a lot of natural drones from. They even recorded the power plant itself and made music out of it. And what was so interesting when I saw the 
the film is that I didn't I didn't even think about the fact there was music the first time I watched it. That my friend said, "Did you hear the music?" and I said, "No, I, I didn't hear any music." And when I watched it again, it, it's like full of music, and <laughs> it was just so complete with with the the film itself. So I, I hadn't thought of it, which is. I guess what excellent film music is supposed to be doing. Yeah, it triggers something subconscious in you. It affects you without you realizing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Is that a similar effect you ever look to achieve in your own music? Where you put things in that you kind of want to try and subconsciously impact people? I th- no, I think it's quite the contrary for me. People often think my music sounds cinematic, which is probably true in a in a way but i think my music asks for too much attention to to work that way it's um t- steals too much attention in a way that doesn't really work with film so i think a lot of people have thought they can use my music in films but it doesn't really fit fit the the film it because it it takes away all the attention from from what's going on in the movie do you think that would be the same if you used an instrumental version of it if you took the vocals off no, no. Of course, it's of course it would be different, and um, I'm sure it's it, there are a lot of places it could be used. I've just, it's, I guess, it's something I've I've thought about the fact that I'm I'm often trying to put in at at least up until this album now I've been trying to put in a lot of information or possibly too much information, just like really filling the music with information everywhere, like a collage and. I guess I'm getting more and more curious about trying to just paint a simple line instead. Uh, I'm not there yet, but that's that's something um, I'm really looking forward to learn more about. Do you think that's like a sign of maturation in a in a musician? You seem to see it a lot. You know, this kind of decluttering of the mix and only leaving in what's necessary as someone progresses. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not saying I have matured, but. I can totally see, I mean, the fact that I really want to simplify things is something I have noticed. And I, yeah, I I, I think so. And I think even more, it's about understanding that I will not be able to do everything. Uh, I I will not be able to, to reach everyone or be able to express every emotion or fill every need of music or peak or whatever it's it's like i think that's the mature side of it the realization of of this is what i do and the randomness about it is is the only thing that i can really control i can just do music and people will receive it and i will i think the creative process i've had this feeling that you can control it but but really you're just you're just following things and trying to just just do something that you thought you find that is nice for the moment and and it, there's not much more possible to do than that there's a kind of calm side to that yeah can that be quite a liberating revelation once you realize that you won't ever really be in control does that then kind of free you to a certain extent yeah definitely I, I've always been connected to Brian Eno's music, not uh, always knowing about it, but I, I really enjoyed the Rattle and Hum album by U2 when I was a kid. And uh, those uh, ambient sounds there and, and what he did and, and how he impacted that music 
and a lot of different other music he's been in touch with, I've learned that he has often been a fan of of randomness or just taking a perspective and running with it. And uh, for me, that has been a very late... I've explored that late in my life to just... I don't have a chance to control everything anyway. And my composing is just me following ideas in my head and recording it will always... It it will be good no matter what perspective you take. And if you possibly go really wrong, then you can do it again. But not feeling like this has to be the perfect recording is very liberating. And uh, it makes me so much more calm than wanting to produce something perfect. Yeah. Do you feel like it makes the emotion of the music more pure? I mean, it, it does. And this this album I've done now is probably the easiest to connect to because it's i mean it's it's just really me playing performing entertaining someone on the other side of 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 the sound so i'm I'm really happy about how it turned out the fact that it's so simple and was it always gonna be this simple or was that something that unveiled itself through the process did you initially develop it as more of a dense mix and then pull things out or was it always taking shape in this form I mean, I I remember telling Emmanuel, the producer and my friend, that uh, I wanted this to be simple. I, I I told him like a couple of years ago, I want to make a piano album, and I want it to take six months to finish, and uh, that's the way it's gonna be. And and still, when we decided to work together, we were still patching synthesizers and making experience, experiments with, with MIDI and, and connecting instruments serially. Um, but after, I mean, when Christmas arrived at 2019, we thought maybe we should just try a few piano recordings after, after the new year and, and see what's, what happens there. And so we did, and then we realized this is what we love and th- this is what's going to be this is what we wanted to be. So we scrapped all the other recordings and just recorded everything in this kind of entertainment, uh, entertainer quality of, of someone just performing for a small audience. The, the whole idea of, of the music came from me doing these little shows on Instagram Live before the pandemic, actually. Out of the curve. Yeah, if, for sure. <laughs> it was just by chance, because that was real world, my, my record label, asking me when we released the, the previous album, they, they asked me to do a, just a little stream on my phone, and I thought it was a ridiculous idea, because I thought, I, well, I have made this, this album, There's, it took me years, and it's, it's made perfectly like how I want it, and now you want me to, to just play something. If, I, I couldn't understand the point in that because I had made this music that was so finished and, and, and tidied up and mixed and perfect. And, but immediately I loved the whole format of, of uh, it, it was just an instant concert and uh, it really helped me in uh, understanding a different perspective of, of recording music and writing music. And that was a pivotal point for me, actually, in hindsight. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, you were talking a little bit about the piano there and when you brought that in, and it's one of the things on the album that, within the simplicity, seems to give it a real momentum and keeps it constantly pushing forward. If you think about a song like 
go easy on me now. It's the piano and that that gives it the sense of forward momentum and driving. Is that because you were exploring with the piano or where do you think that momentum is coming from with it? Well, that that uh, song was, I mean, I started fiddling around with that theme on a synthesizer with a completely different sound, but the the music has evolved. I mean, it in this case, it's just a solo keyboard instrument anyway. So it, it's a, a solo synthesizer and a piano isn't that super different. So, I mean, it, the the... It was just one one instrument played by two hands all along. So, I mean, I didn't change that much. But I think uh, I, I really started exploring the music of Johann Sebastian Bach, like that classical. It's a very simple format, but the music is quite rich or very rich in his in his works. Of course, I mean, his he's one of the. <laughs> the foundations of modern music and and um i i got really interested in that i mean this this go easy on me now that piece it's it's very simple from a classical perspective but uh it's it was just fun for me to have a, a song that should be played note by note in a in a specific way there's not so much uh, i i don't feel a need for changing a lot when i play that song it's this is what the right hand does and this is what the left hand does and maybe i do a little minimal variation somewhere but but the song is what it is so in that sense it's more like a classical piano piece it's 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 big fun i really like that and it's it's a lot of what i'm working on right now where about did it come in the process for the record in terms of the chronology of writing the songs that song is actually one of the earlier um, I think that might be. I think "Trifles" is the earliest of all the songs on the album, uh, but uh, "Go Easy on Me Now" is probably one of those really early songs from from the album perspective. "Trifles" is another interesting one. Did we get the sound of you whistling on it? Oh yeah. No, oh, that that ox that also came from. Uh, I recorded it for a friend. Uh, uh, the demo version of of that song. Um, and I, I thought maybe maybe this song needs a little cherry on top. Why don't I whistle <laughs> this note here? <laughs> it, I think I had heard it in some music. That's sort of silly, out of pitch, out of the tonality whistle. And there is just something charming about it. I suppose it there there is something about about it that says, well, I know this sounds like serious music, but listen to this whistling note and you realize <laughs> it you can you can listen to it in in any perspective you want i i'm fine with with any way you 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 like it and i hope you enjoy it basically well people only whistle when they're happy yeah they, that's true right i think i have to agree on that people whistle when they're happy you don't hear anyone whistling i haven't when thought they're sad. of it that way no you're right <laughs> i have I, I don't know why i haven't thought of that very obvious uh, <laughs> truth but they're right. I'm gonna think about that. Yeah, people only whistle, or when they're on stage, like me. I always start whistling on stage. Uh, so I guess, but I guess I am in a happy mood when I'm on stage <laughs> doing that. Were you keen to put in some of these little kind of happier flourishes when a lot of the record is quite dark, topically or thematically rather, just to balance out a little bit? Or yeah, yeah. I guess it's. I don't think it's for balancing it, but I think it's for reference, perhaps, that 
these little notes on Go Easy on Me Now, that little blue note, the, the little twitch in the, the piano melody, I think there's, it's just for reference that, okay, don't, don't think I'm taking this too seriously. This is still playing around. Uh, so, so possibly not for balance, but for just adding that perspective of, of you can listen to this in a different way if you want to. Yeah, I guess it adds a little bit more of your personality into it as well. We get more of a full picture of you if you see the yeah. different sides to it. Definitely, yeah, yeah. The I wanted to talk a little bit as well. You have some of the songs in this album where there's a metaphor at the heart of it. Oppenheimer would be an example yes. of that. Does making that clear metaphorical connection to your own experience make you think differently about it? When you draw that comparison and you see it in a similar light? I mean, that song Oppenheimer, I mean, I, I understand that it's an analogy for something else. Is that the word you use, analogy, or do you, metaphor, you said? Yeah, analogy yeah. or metaphor. I yeah. mean, I, from the beginning, I just wanted to describe, <laughs> I, I, I guess I just wanted to sing about that age and and I mean Robert Oppenheimer wasn't even on the Bikini Islands as I remember it I think there were other Americans taking care of those experiments uh, millions of sons over Bikini Islands but but after having written it and thinking about it I mean I've all along understood there is a metaphor for different things but but I guess that the main the main theme is probably blow the whole thing away, <laughs> I, I, I guess. It looks a little at our ability to hurt one another, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. What, what do you hear in it? What, what, what's you, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, what I was just I feel like, it's, I, I, the way I kind of read it was our ability maybe to hurt other people without our realising it, but it's almost this, it's weird that we have this innate thing within us just to harm others. Like we can't seem to escape it as a society and on an individual level. Yeah, true, true. It's strange. I guess you could look at that as well with um, Habibi, the second song on the, the album. It's touching upon that too, in a more direct, realist way, I suppose. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, that Habibi song, it's it's so strange because um, when when uh, when that was posted, I I knew it was a political song, what what it meant, but it it was just. I was still surprised of a few comments about it. And I think one one comment that was not a Lone Deer fan, just someone that had found the song. And it, it, he asked, writing, uh, you grew up rich, didn't you? And I, I thought that was interesting because I did certainly not grow up poor. I mean, in the sense that we didn't have the the necessary things in our lives. I, I had a bed and we had food on the table and everything. And so in a sense, I felt like, because I often have that perspective, like if I can do music for a living and uh, pay my rent, that means I'm really rich. That That's my perspective. So my initial reaction to that was that I wanted to reply to him, yeah, I grew up rich for sure, you know? I I have been safe all my life, and I guess I was just surprised the the view on on uh, immigration and the view of sharing. I mean, it's it's tax money, so it doesn't really it's not really my money anyway. And I guess I don't have a full 
understanding of national economics, but I, it would surprise me to see that we couldn't share more. I mean, I I think there's there's money here and there that could be spent on those who need it more. Why do you think the person made that comment? I think it was the the reason he asked was you can afford to have that idea that we can have immigrants come into our countries because because you can afford to spare that money on someone else. And so I guess like your parents had employment their whole lives. No one else came here and took it. I mean, I, I don't really know what made him say that, but I, I could understand it in a way. And, and in a way, I, I guess he's right. I guess I was just, if it would be connected to, to personal economy, that would be really sad. But I don't think it is. And I'm not by any way saying I'm a rich person. I'm just saying that I have the necessary things. And uh, it made me curious. But 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 I, I also understand that from a society point of view, I guess there are limits for what the society can afford. And I guess economical engine needs to be running smoothly. And I suppose if you pour too much money into those who don't have money, maybe that money doesn't go other places where it does its magic, I suppose. But it's still, I, I still just, I just, have a feeling that we all can spare do a little more a few things yeah it's the gulf of the inequality really isn't it yeah it's hard to speculate on the background of the person making that comment but you would imagine even the difference between them and the immigrants trying to come into the country is beyond imagination yeah 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 i guess that's what's the big that i mean that song is a lot about not directly but it certainly affects people getting on boats in the middle of the night and dying on the mediterranean ocean and it's it's hard to see who who is it that doesn't want to help but i guess from their perspective they shouldn't get on those boats to start with because europe is full you know I mean, it's all horrible. It's hard to put yourself in the mindset of that person, though, when they're coming from a war-torn country. And it's crazy to think about that mindset we're getting on a boat and potentially sailing to your death as a better alternative to where you're coming from and where you're living at that time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so hard to grasp. Did you find the ocean taking on different context for you as you progressed through the making of this record? I think I've had a really one-dimensional thing still about the ocean i i think i'm just i guess talking about the ocean when talking about this album maybe teaches me a few things uh but i think for me it's all about distances and uh darkness and different different levels of depth i i don't know how to answer that actually there is just cert- certain untangible magic to it that I, I don't know how to put in words. And I guess that's why I'm a bit curious about making poetry about it, I guess. Is that a similar feeling to say when you you know you look up at the stars at night and you see them stretching across the sky? Yeah, definitely. It's that 
Yeah, I mean, you can't. It doesn't matter how much you think about it. You're still not gonna understand <laughs> what even you see. It's. Uh, I I think that's a good comparison. Yeah, and it's kind of mind blowing that it's like that. Still in this modern society, a starry sky is still the craziest thing you can see. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> that's quite magic. It's tapping into something kind of ancient, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. I I actually had I've I've been really interested in in astronomy and um I remember an old friend of mine her her mother she told her mother that yeah Emil he he reads a lot about uh, astronomy now it kind of makes him upset and 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 stressed out and and her reply was yeah he can't read that that's not good for him <laughs> and it's it's uh i mean i've done that and uh, that didn't work well so he should read other things so i have this kind of addict uh, thing going on with astronomy that i i know that i want to read about it and i want to read heavy books about black holes but i also know it it kind of creates this different kind of black hole inside of me where i think the big problem is is not um uh the distances but it's time and the perspective on time you have in astronomy where a million years is just nothing and uh and when you have these really long distances time and distance kind of interact um because w- when you, when you get if you have a couple of million of light years that's gonna mean that information is gonna take that amount of time also to travel and suddenly the distance becomes time itself uh, because there's no way of of bridging that uh, difference and i guess that's that could be an analogy to the ocean and getting somewhere on the ocean you have to make the distance i think it was carl sagan who said that studying astronomy or astronomy rather should be taught in schools because it humbles you. Would that be a fair assessment of your experience, kind of looking into it a little bit? Well, I, I mean, I, I like Carl Sagan. I haven't seen so much about it, but I mean, he's such a cool person. I, I don't think it humbles me. No, it just makes me upset. I would say, <laughs> but I'm really <laughs> curious about it. But I, I don't feel humbled. It's maybe I, maybe I do. Maybe that's what I'm feeling. But it's kind of it's upsetting to read about very long time timelines and i guess it's the same thing about when you start realizing that uh, the evolution and uh, geology and everything that is also kind of connected to to the those same areas that if you th- start thinking about our, our origins it's just going to be ridiculous how short we lived as humans and it's kind of hard to find yourself in that and uh, those things you think are different are, are are important they are still important but when you think of it in that timeline it looks kind of ridiculous but still a broken heart or a, a past friend uh, a person not alive anymore still that is horrible and it's hard to grasp how our emotions can be that strong when we're so small and and just little dots in in the timeline. I guess the the sea, the ocean can be a metaphor for time. But if, when I've been trying to explain why the ocean is is 
in such presence in my music or in my mind these days. I think it's, from what I understand, a lot of people find uh, that what's going on underwater is a symbol for the subconscious. The Mariana Trench. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I don't know if that makes, if that's a scientific fact that water means <laughs> the subconscious, <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense. And and if we should believe in those those old thoughts, then it it can make sense why why that means a lot to me. Oh, I mean, we could draw an interesting parallel there between what we were speaking about earlier with um, Oppenheimer and our ability to harm one another. The thing we do with the ocean is that, you know, we're polluting it so badly that we're almost harming it without realizing it because we can't see that tangible impact. We could also look at that in terms of we can hurt ourselves and not see the impact that it's having upon our subconscious. Yeah, true. Yeah, for real. And then it's hard to to sort out what it is that doesn't really matter. I think in this day and age, we don't really know. I mean, we all know that using a smartphone can be kind of stressful uh the the way you interact with it uh, but I, I still i i guess a lot of people still don't know for sure i mean we know that tobacco that's well that's kind of bad for you but we don't we don't know for sure if well maybe we do <laughs> maybe b- being connected all the time it's 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 painful and it's stressful and uh, we're losing ourselves, I guess. I, I think I've been... I mean, I, I, I love the technology and I, I, I love being able to connect to people, but the fact that you can never really disconnect is... Um, that cannot be a good thing. Is creating art and making music an opportunity for you to do that, though? You mean taking that break? You mean getting yeah, away from it? Yeah, almost getting back in touch with yourself. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, uh, I think that's why I love concerts so much, because... You are really disconnected from from all the other things. You are in in the music, whether you want it or not, because you're in the middle of a song. I mean, I've I've experienced a few seconds here and there during my career where I've been thinking about things <laughs> while I'm playing a song, which can be quite amusing. Also, like you have an audience in front of you, and and you're 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 playing music and realizing that oh i'm thinking about this thing now that's that's kind of interesting but uh but but still on on the statistically it's a haven for freedom to play a concert because you are just in the music it's it's a really good feeling and it's almost like a drug i guess is that the same feeling you get when you're writing a song are you absorbed in it in a similar way yeah there is a phase of writing like it, when the song is about to be finished and uh, it, that that's such a good feeling. But I think uh, what's so interesting about that creative phase of writing music is that it seems to me to not be very egoistical. Like when, when the song is finished, you can have the feelings of, wow, someone should hear this. This is a really good song. But in the, in the very moment of... Uh, creating it, writing it, there is just something different happening. Just this pure love for music, which is, um, that's hard to, to grasp. Why is music so, so powerful? Like, people have been doing this for thousands of years, exploring and, and 
innovating and, and finding new structures in music. And, and still today I'm able to write just a few notes and it seems sort of new to me at least. That's just very exciting. Yeah, that's really fascinating to think about in the context of what you were saying earlier about feeling really small and how the things that are so important to us can feel insignificant. Does music almost connect you to history in that way? The fact that people have been doing this for so many millennia, does it give you a greater sense of place and connection? I think the thing about my view of composing is that I used to think of it as being an innovator, that you need to come up with new things, with new ideas, and and a lot of the gestures I like comes from the avant-garde music. But wanting to be avant-garde but loving traditional music can be a, a strange combination. And losing that strong wish to be an innovator and instead realizing I am just a gardener, I'm composing blocks of already made up things. I'm just putting them in a slightly different uh, combination. It's such a more calm way of viewing music and and I've been I've been struggling my whole life with the thought of what if music ends? Like what if we have tried every combination and Honestly, I, I still don't know the proper answer to that because uh, I still have a fear for there's not so many notes you would like to use in a normal song. You don't have 12 notes to choose from, really. You have three or four or five notes and and I happen to like one of them <laughs> often. <laughs> but, but when you take that perspective of... Um, like well i i don't need to be an innovator i i'm just putting this in a in an order that i for the moment find attractive it's it's a relief you wonder if that's where technology could come into it though like you saying that we could run out of sounds you wonder if advancing technology is going to allow us to keep coming up with exactly new yeah I mean, yeah, often when you use the word AI, people would like use the quote marks with their fingers and say, well, it's not AI, it's just more <laughs> algorithms. But I mean, the brain is still is also algorithms, I suppose. They're just really smart wired. I guess I'm curious about what what the digital mind or what uh, hive minds or neural networks can produce but it seems that in the end people really enjoy flaws and mistakes and uh, there will always be a place for the human art because uh, it, we we do stupid things that machines couldn't do i think <laughs> like uh, there there's just something so attractive about making the wrong decisions that but I mean, of course, computers will be able to reproduce those quirks. I, I'm, I'm sure there will be fantastic music uh, made uh, just by machines themselves. And I, I don't see a big problem with that. I, I, I think it will be a compliment and, and something different. But, but yeah, there's something with the human side of music that... So some artists that you like, like, I can't come up with some, I, I know a few Swedish singers that I don't like, 
that are really popular here. And and I've been saying like, could you imagine a machine coming up, making up this artist? Like that would be like put the singing quality to not he's not a bad singer, but you know like put the main quality to thirty eight percent. Like who in the world would would do that? <laughs> so I I, th- I think it's all the flaws in human music is gonna be more difficult to produce than to produce really fantastic uh, perfect music i guess have you always been that comfortable with flaws when you're someone who used to be a perfectionist no 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 of course not i think for me discovering john cage as a person has really meant a lot to me i'm really amused by by john cage the the what, what should we call him an artist or a a composer, he, performance artist. What what would you performance artist? How yeah, would you label? I like that. Per, yeah, yeah. He he makes things, but it seems that what I connect the most to is just his person and how he he relates to what he does and how he describes it. I, I he just I'm. It makes me happy thinking about his perspective on things. I'm sure he was really smart. Uh, I'm not mean that as a businessman, but he was probably smart, realizing people will connect with this if I have this. But he seems to have a big love also just for for whatever it is he loves, which I can't put into words. How much of your development as an artist do you think has come from exploring the works of other people's sounds like that, other artists? And how much has come from exploration on your own and exploring through making music of your own? I, I don't think I can answer that. That's a really difficult question. But my first thought was that I have, I think everything comes from others. I haven't made up a single thing. Uh, and that would probably be my current answer, that I am, I am just a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even plant, I don't even plant the music. I just sort of, tie up some branches here and there and and i i cut the thing here i maybe move a flower but i i i have no idea but i think the wise answer would be that i probably have made almost nothing i'm just building on top of what other been building on top of others we were kind of speaking a moment ago about flaws and the way that every individual is very unique do you know then that adds something to it like the very fact that you're making it as your own expression means that it's doing something different even if it's in a slight way yeah i mean of course and that's what's so magical about it because i don't add so much that's my own i mean i play traditional instruments i use my voice i sing lyrics and still it's me doing it and and you can immediately tell that it is me and and so i i think you're right in that I think my superpower is that I'm adding presence to the music. Uh, I I mean, for me, concerts has become what I cherish the most, or just like the interaction with a couple of years. Uh, I guess that's where my jazz background also makes most sense. The fact that you design every moment for the moment. I guess I guess I I probably add everything, but. It's just not, um, I, I, I just like the thought of it's not a big deal. I, I know I don't talk about music with myself in this way all the time. I've, I take it really, I think it's really important uh, taking a responsibility composing. Right now I'm super into the next music I'm writing. 
it's it's in a way of classical writing with very thought out uh, parts in left and right hand some piano and i take that really really seriously that every every part of it should be worthy of something it's just for myself the realization is that i i don't need to make up new music i just need to make this well thought out i i suppose but when it comes to the concert and when it comes to singing and meeting an audience then of course it's it's me doing it and i can totally see the point in me doing that definitely when do you feel the greatest sense of connection with your music i think it's when you want to win someone over in a room i really enjoy playing for someone that doesn't know what they're going to be able to hear i think i've i think during the start of my career i really enjoyed the the support shows where I played bigger artists and the little time you have there, you have your 20 minutes to try to win over an audience. I think I really enjoyed that. Maybe it's some kind of sport even to let's see who we can win today. <laughs> it's or, or a religious per- perspective, like a pastor, like we're going to win some souls tonight. <laughs> uh, I, I think I still like that. I, I, I guess... I mean, I'm slowly coming out of the shadows as myself and understanding me as an entertainer is an interesting way of understanding myself. The fact that I really enjoy talking to an audience and figuring out what we're going to do together, which is me entertaining them or making music with or for them. That's that's interesting, and I I do think I have a talent for that, uh, and it. But it was really late that I started uh, discovering that and uh, starting enjoying it. Right now, I think my big challenge is to start enjoying myself as a person on stage, just looking the way I do. Not that I'm especially ugly but just it's like accepting that's well that's what i look like on a stage i'm not the coolest person you'll find uh, but i make pretty good music and i sing really well accepting myself as myself on stage or in an interview or on a television show or i i should start understanding that my flaws as a physical person can be equally interesting as musical flaws, I suppose. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 